So you like bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames With Godfathers 1 and 2 But not so fast with God and Podcast We like that too we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're glad to have you with us at the We Like That Too podcast. This is Brad Jones. And with me, of course, is the Bon Vivant himself, Mr. Keith Inlow. Hey, Brad. From the Bon Vivant International Media, Media Center. Center. Dun, dun, dun. Also, my my basement. So, which it sounds so much cooler though to say the International lot, Media it's Center. It's a lot cooler. You know, we did a we did a pretty neat uh, interview with Jim Burris, and I sent that to Burris, yeah. and he goes. Don't you think that sounds a lot cooler than Brad's basement? He goes, yeah. He goes, Brad's basement has that sort of Wayne's World sort, sort of a, yeah, sort of a feel yeah. to it. So yeah. he, you know, Wayne's World guys are doing commercials now. I know. I'm I know. Like, Man, do you think we could ever get there to where we can be? We could do commercials. commercials? Yeah, I don't. It's know. Something to it's something to aspire to, right? We could. Yeah. We should get asked to get M, to MC something sometime. That we'd probably be only. It'd probably well, only be once. We but, have been. But the event didn't take place. So, <laughs> oh, that's right, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We were dead in the water. We were squelched we by COVID. We were, squel- yeah, yeah, as so many have been. Yes. So, yeah. so, anyway, hey, we're gonna have fun today. Yeah, it's, it's just you and me, yours truly. We call these episodes yours truly because it's it's Brad and myself, which is the two friends in the We Like That Two subtitle. Uh, you know, we do usually have guests, but we're the two friends. So here you go. You're here stuck we go. With us today. You're stuck with us. But it's all right. Yeah, it is. Because this is the kind of stuff we love to talk about. I know. And and we like to think that this is an educational podcast. Well, informative, if nothing else. In, informative, yes. Whether you're educated by it or not is really up to you. But we're going to inform you of some stuff. Because you have to decide whether we know what we're talking whether, about. Yeah, yeah. You can, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like the evening news. Take it for what it's worth. Oh, hard. did I say that? No, let's oh. say it's much better than Sorry. the evening news. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway. We're going to have much more fun the, than the evening news. We are. We are. I'll tell you what. Okay. So as we have both uh, admitted, we probably watch more television than we probably <sighs> should. So so we've kind of called this the the also the the what you're watching sort of segment. What you're watching now. What, what you're watching now. And uh, we've heard back from some of our Bon Vivants who have said, you know what, that's pretty helpful because there are so many things out there, Keith. <sighs> it's unbelievable how many – how much content is out there in not only network television, but you've got your cable channels. Then you've got all the streaming services, which seem to be multiplying daily. Every time I turn around, there's a a new streaming service that I haven't even heard of yet. And they're crossbreeding in that you can find an old network series now on a streaming service. So if you never got to see it two or three years ago, guess what? You can watch it all now episode to episode on a streaming service. It's unbelievable how much content's out there. Yeah, there really is. And and you start to think, or at least I do – where are we with quality? I mean, are we getting are we getting quality scripts? Or are we just trying to figure out how we can get these things made? Because, well, over the last 
12 months or whatever, everybody's home. So yeah. it's kind of I, – I, I assume they think it's sort of like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. Everybody's home, so therefore maybe we're – you know, we're all – they're all – there to watch my show that I'm producing. There but. was a recent South Park episode, which was hilarious, and it dealt with that exactly. It was like, if you can come up with any kind of script and shoot it to Netflix, they'll do it. <laughs> now, I think there's probably a happy medium. I, I understand it, it's a valid question. It is a question, but yeah. I think there is, I think what I like is there's opportunity because you and I both know there's a lot of talented people out there who for whatever reason, when you were restricted only to network television or only uh, – there's so many mo- more productions being made now and so many more producers that the opportunity is out there for people who might have normally been lost in the shuffle, you know, swept under the rug. And some of that stuff is quality. Some of it is crap. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And and really the producer has nothing to do with it. I've seen a couple of – especially sitcom uh, that are – sitcoms that are produced – by some of the streaming services, they're not really living up to what I expected. And it's like you get through one episode and it's like, yeah, this is not that's not doing it for me. The but. thing about it is, Keith, if you don't grab somebody pretty quick, believe me, you're gone. You're done. You're never you're, – you're not going to – you're not going to keep watching. You're not going to invest eight hours of your life on on a show that – you consider the very first episode being whatever it is. I mean, you can be pretty pretty fickle about it. You know, Guilty I've is, done that. Guilty as charged. I am too. Guilty I am as too. Charged. If you can't grab me in the first thirty minutes of an episode, especially if it's a multiple episode series, if you're not catching me with character, plot line, conflict pretty quickly, I'm gone. Yeah, me too. Because there's too much other stuff out there to watch. Well, you got you got choices, and you got yeah. new and you got new stuff coming on. All the time. All the time. I mean, you and I have talked where I've told you, you know, by the way, I found that on Netflix. And you're like, I've never seen that. And I said, well, I hadn't either until a couple days ago. And that that goes for old stuff, too. Right. That goes with some, you know, we were talking about those documentaries. And there was one I was going to talk about a little bit, the, the one about Memphis. Right. Well, how did I miss that? I mean, it's on Prime. But I was like. For crying out loud, when did this thing show up? You know what I do? I often go in under a couple of other profiles that, you know, I have on my account because they watch different things than I do. And so their their feed will have different suggestions. Yeah. Stuff that I will never see. But it's like, how come I'm not seeing that? It's because, you know, it uses an algorithm that uh, takes what you watch and what you like and, and uh, feeds you certain things. So there is so much stuff out there. And um I, I, if we're going to talk about what you're watching, we're going to get into a lot of different stuff, documentaries and different genres and, and stuff that we really like. Maybe a couple of things that didn't uh, strike our fancy. But if we're going to talk about what we've watched recently, I have to talk about this thing <laughs> that I saw. On, you're you're going to give me bad dreams. Oh, my God. Okay. So um, do, should we should we drink first before we talk about this or let, should we do this and then we'll get to the wine? Let's why, do don't we, why don't we do that, though? Well, I think it's a good idea. Why? And, and, you know, we should have probably had – we got the wrong – we got the wrong nationality, too, on the wine. I never thought about that. We didn't – we, okay. did, we, did, we didn't pair well. No, but that's all right. This is just a short portion of what you're watching. <laughs> Let's do, let me get through this because we can get our nightmares right. out of the way. Okay. So I'm I'm surfing, right, for what to watch, and I'm actually on Amazon Prime. And um, I come across, across this thing called Ramstein in America. 
America with a K. So we, we have a studio audience, yeah. and somebody is convulsing already. <laughs> somebody must know Ramstein. Right, Ramstein. I, I did not know Ramstein. So if you're, I'm not a heavy metal fan. I don't dislike heavy metal music. It's just not a genre I listen to frequently, and I don't know the bands or anything. Ramstein is a German heavy metal band out of Berlin, and this Ramstein in America was a concert film. Uh, filmed at their Madison Square Garden concert back in either 2010 or 2011. Now, I did a little research on this thing after I saw it. This thing sold out in 20 minutes, so this these, this band has a fan base. There's no doubt about it. They're popular with somebody. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of somebodies. In well, a bunch of somebody. filled up Madison Square no, Garden. Kidding. And, I mean, they packed the place out. And But this band is unbelievable. Again, German, Berlin, heavy metal, but the production value of this thing was off the charts. I mean, costumes and lighting and pyrotechnics and and they're all great musicians. Take make no mistake about it. This band is filled with great musicians, and uh, but it's the spectacle, the showmanship, the production. I could not stop watching it, and I find myself I'm at the end of this concert thing. I'm like, holy crap, what was that? <laughs> What just hit me? Yeah. So, so like, like one of the first things is the, the lead. First of all, the lead singer and I think founder of the group. I don't know his name. I'm sorry, but he's built like an NFL linebacker. Huge guy. Huge guy. And, and they've got these. You know, this, it's this industrial feel. They've, they've got like grease on their bodies and gray. Everything's gray and black and and lots of fire. Fire all over the place. I'm surprised they didn't set something on fire. <laughs> I mean, and huge fire, like big oh, yeah. pyrotechnics going off, and close to their heads and stuff. They're like wearing, yeah. they're like wearing wings of fire, and fire shooting out of a collar <laughs> around their head, and um, and of course they're singing in German, which is that horrible guttural sound. And so, like, even when they're like singing the 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 most slow heavy metal ballad you can think of it's they've got something stuck in their throat it was pretty angry yeah it was very and angry. the audience knows every word to every lyric they're singing along and I'm like, where do these people come from that they know these german lyrics either they're either they're such devoted american fans that they know the songs in german or they they're german fans that flew across the pond for this concert in new york i don't know but they're very popular <laughs> And there's a little. At times, it gets almost disturbing, and it's. I was really, I was really thinking there would be human sacrifice yeah. on stage at some point. I think there is symbolic yeah, human I, sacrifice. Yeah, it was kind of. Uh, they it, they it have spooky. Some, they have some um, some motions and uh, and things, rhythms and crowd chanting that is reminiscent of things that really are kind of disturbing from. <laughs> The mid days, last century. Days gone by. That way. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, holy moly, where did these guys come from? It's crazy. So anyway, it was wild. I like the, the lead singer guy when he had the LED light in his mouth yeah, at the beginning and he opened his mouth yeah. and like all of his teeth glowed it yeah. was it so was, many weird effects was, and special effects it was yeah, it was funny i did wonder though if anybody was going to get blown okay. up i have i have never seen that much pyrotechnics and you know it's inside how do you get the smoke out of out of 
the arena like that, you would, I don't know. You would think it would start. You'd just have like a total haze over the. You might have had a haze over. I don't know. It. Anyway, I think it's, it's what your. Uh, I think it's a fuel source that may not be smoke producing, but man, there's a lot of fire and sparks. I know that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Ramstein in America, and there's here's the disturbing thing. There's more than one Ramstein concert film out there I've seen since then. That, you know, if you liked Ramstein in America. Check out Ramstein in Paris. Oh, well. Because it's out there, too. Yeah, well. Crazy. I didn't make it through that second one. (laughs) Okay. I don't know about you, but after even reminiscing about that, I'm ready for a drink. Why don't we we open something and we'll talk talk a little bit about it. So one bottle. Today we are drinking Italian. You know, I think if somebody put a gun to my head and said you have to choose wine from only one country, I'd be forced to say Italian. I love Italian wine because there's so many varieties and it's, you know, so many appellations and it's just so different. But this one today is actually comes from our friend Matt Green at Barvino. For all of your wine and spirit needs. Beautiful downtown Jefferson City. That's right. And this was uh this was on the wine club list uh, a couple of months ago. And actually that's that's where I got turned on to it. So this is a Moscarelli, 2017 Moscarelli Montepiccino de Bruzzo. I have a big daddy okay. bottle of that upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. This stuff is unbelievable. So here's we're gonna open this bottle. It's a screw cap. Boy, that was dramatic. That was dramatic. Yeah. Actually, yeah, actually, the snap didn't snap like I wanted it to. Yeah, it, it was kind of a thud. It was. A... So the nice thing about this vineyard is it's actually a fairly small vineyard, but they're known for their high quality wine at a value price. Okay, so you taste this. So let's so let's, let's smell and taste it. All right. Great color. Hmm. So. Montepucciano is the grape. The Bruzzo is the area or the appellation in which the grape is grown. Great nose on this stuff. Red fruit, ripe red fruit. It's old world, though, so you do get a little bit of minerality, a little must off of it. I need some spaghetti. Yes. So it would pair greatly with it would, uh, any kind tomato of pasta, sauces, any kind of red meats. Pasta would be great. And... Um, there is a little must on it, so it's got that old world. Um, I want to. I don't want to say barnyard floor or anything, but it's close to that. Well, no, that's okay. That's not bad. That's all right. We have a studio audience that's today, a, too. Yeah, by do. the way, we we'd like to thank audience. the studio audience for being with us today. Yay! Very much. Very good. And they're and they're incredibly well trained. They're well into the. They're well into their wine by now. Yeah, so. that's all right. So so a. Um, a really nice dry finish on this wine. I think it's well balanced. I think it's very well balanced. It's. I don't know what the um, alcohol uh, content is on that, but it seems pretty low. Thirteen percent. That's what I thought. Thirteen percent. It's. It's. It seemed pretty low. Um, yeah. You don't get. We you just, don't get a lot of tannins. We just opened this and it's ready to drink. This yeah, is not this something is a, that you have to. This is open a, ahead of time. This is a good everyday drinker. A, um, go. Go make your. Like I said, go make some spaghetti and uh, some pasta, and it's. Uh, it's ready to go. So. Um, Here's the good news about this wine. What's that? So th- first of all, this this vineyard is known for. Uh, Low production. They don't produce a lot, but it's high quality at a great value, and that's sort of their reputation. This bottle is $13. What? $13. A Magnum, $26. Okay? Good heavens. Very affordable, and it's very good. I would put this in a blind tasting against some this really is, nice wine. This is good. It's, uh, it's, it 
it is a little to me it's a little fruity there you definitely can tell they made this with grapes keith i can tell it is but it is it is still old world the debruzzo region lies between the apennine mountains and the adriatic sea so it's you know it's perfect wine growing country the 2017 vintage actually it was it was not a bad vintage it was a bad weather year and so their yield was not great but the grapes were really good so uh it's a great vintage uh Moschiarelli Montepicciano d'Abruzzo. Wow. And uh, I recommend it. You, you can said, find You said that really nice too, by the way. You know, you say it with confidence and quickly. Was, we learned that from Matt. It was like watch for a minute there, it was like watching the Godfather. It was you did it that well. I mean it. <laughs> That's right. All the Italian I ever learned was from the Godfather. Thank goodness they had subtitles, you know. Dear Godfather. <laughs> I join I celebrate the way many of you. <laughs> Son, and made that first son be a male child. Yeah, I love a that. masculine child. Yeah, a masculine child. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's the wine today. We will continue to drink. Good choice. Good choice. Thank and thank you, Matt. Thank at you, Barvino. Matt at Barvino, our wine sponsor. Yes. Always does this right, and and a value wine that you can pull out on a Tuesday and Wednesday night and not feel guilty about. Our personal sommelier. You there betcha. We go. There we go. It's always right. cool to have a, your own. You will find sp- pictures of that wine on the website. We like that podcast.com. We always post pictures of what we're drinking uh, so that if you can't uh, find it or buy it from Matt locally, you can uh, go to your area store and find it. Support, or support local wine stores, by the way. That's right. Or the 10 countries that is are now listening to the We Like That Too podcast, by the and, way. And, you know, if we have Italian listeners out there, Italian Bon Vivants, you could actually probably go to the Bruzzo and find it yourself. That's absolutely right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And you could invite us to come along with you. Because we are international. We yeah. are. Yep. Okay. Back to the topic du jour. Pat, the just French. The, the, thank, <laughs> the, thank you. you. I don't know what of the day in Italy in Italian is. You linguist you. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> All right. Well, one of the things – one of, one of the shows I think both of us have watched, and um, it's kind of been a, about a five-year spread. I think the first one was in 17. The last one was last year. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's done four seasons, and it's called The Sinners. Yeah. And it has one of our favorite people in it, Bill Pullum, who happened to be in Bottle Shock, That's which right. is you know, uh, you know 10 degrees of separation for movies that end up with Bottle Shock is kind of what we do. So, uh, but Bill Pullman plays, he plays a detective. I like his character, you know, and as you said, if you don't, it's, it's really not that complicated. If you don't like the characters and you don't have a story, don't waste my time. Yeah. It's hard to follow. Yeah, and it's hard so to get invested. And this one, this one really kind of gets you going really quick because what it involves is, uh, usually a, it was a, a violent crime of some kind. And right. in this one, I mean, they get on it like in the first half an hour, these people are at the beach and this guy hears this music, goes crazy yeah. and goes over and stabs this guy to death. Yeah. And you're going, yeah. Yeah, what it's, the it's, hell is going on it, here? It's actually ex- the executive. It's Jessica Beals is the lady who does. It's a female. Jessica Beal is. Yeah, and she's the executive producer of the show. Yep. Does a great turn as this murderer. So the the, the thing of this of the center is, it's not a mystery who the murderer is. So she, yeah, Jessica Biel does it. Yeah, yeah but she, in, in any of the three seasons, no, it's not a mystery who the murderer is. 
the show is all based upon the motive and uncovering, and there's always some sort of deep psychological background that's the cause and the motive of the crime. And Bill Pullman's character is this this disturbed and troubled detective who has a past himself, yep. but he's trying to uncover the psychological impetus behind the crime and how it mixes into his own story and so it's it's a psychological crime drama this no is a, this it. is a peeling the onion yes um, yes with every episode something happens and you're like well wow so that's why that did that you exactly. know and so jessica beale is in the first one and she i think i thought she did a great job she i does. thought she, she, she really job. did a good yeah. and i thought a lot of the different a lot of the different characters that were in subsequent seasons, I thought that the acting was, was, was I, I really pretty strong. I agree. The casting is always strong. The production and the writing is always good. So, yeah, I like The Center. It's it's really good. And it was one of those series that was a – it was a cable channel series that has now okay. been picked up. Okay. Um, by Amazon Prime. So We've um, got 90 on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it get it get. Eight point seven on TV dot com and right. IMD gave it a seven point nine out of ten. I mean, they're not real generous sometimes. And um, if if you like those crime, those psychological crime dramas stories, there's a couple others out there on Netflix. One is called Manhunt, and there are two seasons of it. One follows the Unabomber story. Mm-hmm. It's a it's not documentary, but it's almost documentary style. But so it's a it's a fictionalized adaptation of the Unabomber manhunt. And then the other one, the other season is the Olympic bomber and they're both very well done. And I think they stick very close to uh, facts and things like that. They don't use a lot of creative license. And uh, so manhunt is a good one. And mind hunter is another good one on Netflix. And it is uh, the story of the, the formation of the FBI's psychological crime Serial crime division, you know, these these serial murders and how they started doing profiling, that kind of thing. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. And actually, while I was watching it, I was Googling. They were going into these prisons and interviewing these these uh, serial murderers that had already been convicted to try and create a profile. So there's a, there's a thread between yes. all of them yeah. as and to so why I, they I might was, do this. I was Googling because I had never heard of some of these serial killers and they're real. I mean, they're the real guys you can find. And they do a fascinating job of casting people who look like the real, the real guys. I mean, some of them are still alive. They're still in prison. Oh, so it's, it's pretty interesting. So I like, I like those two mine hunters and uh, manhunt. And yet they're easily confused because they both start with an M and have the word hunt in them. Well, that's so. That's don't know, be. It doesn't take much to confuse me well, anymore. Nor me. Yeah. So, so. the other one, um, I've got a few here, but the one I really, really, really liked, I really enjoyed, and it was released, I guess, to Netflix. Is the Dig? Oh yes. This is. Uh, I, I know you like. I know you like historical, historical movies. This is a historical movie. It's uh, it takes place in 1939, just before. Uh, just for World War II, and it stars Ralph Fiennes. Right. Uh, we've often talked about some of our our favorite villains. He's right in the top five. Oh, he plays a great villain. He was the one that played the guard at the uh, concentration camp in Schindler's List. Right. He was bad. He's a, he's an Academy Award winner. Yeah. Well, yeah. he was nominated, and he was nominated nominated for that. He plays a part. Of uh, Basil Brown, 
And Mr. Brown is a amateur archaeologist. Right. And is hired uh, by a lady named Edith Pretty. And her she lives in 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 Sutton Ho. Right. H O O in Suffolk, England. And she's got these big weird mounds. Yeah, they're earth formations. These earth these, formations yeah. in the back of her her house on her property and she kind of wants to know wonder what they are. Right. And so she she hires Mr. Brown to come out and uh, excavate these these mounds. Right. And the urgency is she's trying to do it because it's right it's pre-World War II. Yeah. So it's leading up to the war and she wants to do it before England gets in a war and all of a sudden they can't get to this stuff. Right. So she hires this guy who's a who's a an amateur and uh, yeah, it, it's very interesting. I love the dig for, thir- really for thirty shillings a week, as yeah. I found out. Yeah. But what's what gets interesting? You get the bureaucracy of the uh, of the British government because then the people from the Royal Museum find out that he's doing this, and it's like, oh man, they can't do that without us. Right. Surely they're messing it up, and they're gonna. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he finds something, and they get wind yeah. of it. And they got to stick their nose into it. Yeah, so, and they yeah. stick their nose into it. But it 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 turns out it it's really a lovely, lovely story. And uh, yeah. I think it's very well acted. Uh, a lady named uh, Carrie Mulligan played Edith, who was twenty years younger than Edith actually was. Oh, that's creative. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, and I think Ralph Fiennes might have been too old to play Mr. Brown. I don't know how that worked. But anyway. Um, it was well done, well produced, and well acted, I thought. I, en- I enjoyed that. And uh, it, and it is um, – it's a movie. It's, it's not, a movie. It's not a series. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a, it's a, it's a one-watch. You know, you just sit down and watch the whole thing. It's so yeah. – a couple hours and you're good to go. Yep. There, you know, and I you're, – you're correct. I do love historical stuff. The, anything with costumes or swords or anything like that, I'm in. So did you like – did you like Outlander? <laughs> yes, I love Outlander, and uh, that was almost a rhetorical question. Yeah, I know we, we're Outlander. We love Outlander. Freaks. We love. And that. the fun thing about Outlander is two of the characters on it: the guy who plays Jamie, and then the guy who plays his uncle. Now are doing a series on stars called Men in Kilts. Yes. Now I haven't seen it yet, but it looks hilarious. It looks like they yeah. they're, they're, they they traipse around Scotland and yeah. they they do like Scottish things. Yeah, all the, the Scottish stuff. I, I saw they were playing golf in in one trailer, and then they were doing they were throwing cabers. They and, were tossing yeah, the caber. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> so, but that's that's those are characters from Outlander, and I have several female friends who call it Hotlander. Because Jamie Fraser is so uh, attractive, and uh, so that's that's funny. But it's a great story. I I love the story of Outlander. I got to be honest though, it took me a couple of tries to get into it. Did it? Yeah. the The first season, I was okay on the first season, and this I started the second season, and I was somehow lost. Yeah. So I had to start the second season a couple of times to get okay. Now I know where we're. I going. can see from going from one season to another how you're going to need a little refresher because. Yeah. It's 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 an interesting premise. I mean, there's there's a fantasy element to it, but also there's some historical significance to it. And right. and where we are now is we are up to the Revolutionary War, right? And uh, pre-Revolutionary War, right? And uh, colonial and, America, and and, yeah. and, and, and poor Jamie's kind of got his tit in a ringer. He's in a, he's getting a bind because the governor has given him ten thousand acres. Well, they didn't do that out of the goodness of their heart. They did that 
So they he's, would be loyal he's to the crown. Some, yeah, he's going to owe somebody something. When, yeah, yep. when it hits the fan, yep. and uh, they're going to say, "Look, you're going to be on the red side here yeah. on this yeah. thing." So where's all that going to fall out? That's kind of where they See, left and that's where they kind of left yeah. it. So um, without it, any big spoiler alerts, here's, here's my interesting question. So if you watch any of these other BBC productions, uh, Poldark is another BBC production, and Ross Poldark was a red coat in the American Revolution who comes back to his home in Wales and finds his family estate in shambles. So I'm wondering if uh, Jamie Frazier is going to run into Ross Poldark in the American <laughs> Revolution before that's all. Uh, it could happen. You know, it could it happen. Could happen. Yeah. Hey, hey, if you could go back in time through a rock, you know, that's you, right. can, you can do just about that's anything. Right. You can do anything. Well, and the other thing about uh, Outlander is there are some great characters in it, oh. some great some great villains. The costuming is amazing. The, costuming, the setting the, is incredible. Yeah, the production values are really, yeah. really good. And there's some there's some great villains in it. There's a couple of really nasty villains in the thing that, boy, ooh, yeah, there's it's some, rough. There's been, yeah, the first couple of episodes, uh, seasons anyway. Yeah, it gets it, pretty. It gets. I'm just telling you, you don't want to. Don't gather the kids around and, and this watch is this. Not one. for family viewing. It is no. violent. It is sexual. It is. It, it's. Let's leave all, my personal life out of it's, it. It's all yeah, right. It's all that. <laughs> well, I was we were talking the other day, and and I think one of the one of the funniest things is see because Claire is the one that goes back, right? And so Claire has the advantage of knowing the future. She knows what's going to happen, and so uh, Jamie gets invited to this hoity-toity party at the governor's house, and. Um, walks in and says, oh, have you met – I think he was a captain. And I, I think you're right. He was down there, but he said, oh, have you met Captain Washington? And there was just a, a – again, one of those great reaction shots where she looks at this very tall, good-looking guy and realizes – Holy shit! That's George, George Washington. Washington. That's yeah. this guy. And so there's Have a, you met th- Captain Washington and his wife Martha. Yeah, yeah and his wife and his, his wife, wife Martha. Martha. Yeah. yeah, and she's like, like uh, Whoa. wait a minute. <laughs> and so after the party, they're walking back and go. He said something to Claire, and he she said, "Yeah, he's gonna become a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's gonna be yeah, pretty important gonna... in the scope of things." <laughs> so, but I thought. Can you imagine? Well, she tells him, she says, he's going to be the one who wins the revolution. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be the leader. who He's going to lead the army that defeats the British in the revolution. No no spoiler alert there. We well, all, we all know how that turned out. Yeah, we knew how that turned yeah. out. So, so, so what else? You know, there's a couple other period uh, period dramas and pieces that I really have, have watched. Bridgerton is a really recent one. On Netflix, it's hot. That's a hot show. It is, and I, I know are, it's only one season in, but I'm I'm pretty positive they've set it up for subsequent seasons. Um, one of those period pieces where they, it's a period piece, but they kind of use some modernized language and music and stuff like that, and so it's. It was it uh, Moulin Rouge? Not no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a mute. <laughs> Wasn't a music video. Brad knows I hate the movie Moulin Rouge. That's <laughs> me, why he said that. Me too. This was a, actually very well done, and uh, but there are certain elements of it that's like okay, they're they're trying to keep it cool and hip. That's okay. I can go with that. Another one that does the same thing is called The Great on Hulu, and The Great is the story of Catherine the Great uh, and Peter in in Tsarist Russia. And it's really funny that the character of Peter is just a dolt in this show. 
but but it's all set up about how she's going to take power. You know, she's the she's not Russian. She marries into the Romanov family, and so she's going to take over the throne. And that Russian aristocracy stuff is is fascinating oh, yeah, too. It is. You talk about being British and the French. All of those they were mean people. I well, mean, they really did. They you know, it goes all the way back to. To the uh, the Romans, you know, they did. They had no problem well, two in, the, in slipping you a little wine that was. Oh yeah, they had your your last had, glass. That's why you yeah. had a taster who tasted everything before you ate and drank. But yeah, two of the other shows that I'm watching now and have watched is one is called The Spanish Princess. These are this is both on Amazon Prime. The Spanish Princess is all about uh, Catherine of Aragon, who eventually marries Henry the Eighth. And we all know how that turns out. That wasn't so good. And then there's the White Princess, who is actually the <laughs> this. It's, it's the it's before or or it's right after um, the War of the Roses. And so it's still England is split and divided between the Stuarts and the Tudors and all this kind of stuff. And it's in the Lancaster House, and it's just political intrigue and it's backstabbing and who's marrying who and what families are trying to get intertwined with what family. It's fascinating stuff, but. I've got to watch it with, uh, you know, like my iPad handy so I can keep track of the family lines. It's so convoluted, but they're really good. They should, they should have. Um, I wonder if they could bring back I Claudius. Did you ever watch I Claudius no, on PBS? You know, but I've heard, I've heard. The, first of all, I've heard the book is phenomenal. Derek you need Jacoby. to read the. You need to read the book. Jacoby or Jacoby? I don't know it's which Derek one. Derek Jacoby is, is the way Jacoby I've always the way heard it's it. Yeah. yeah, I've heard I Claudius is a great book. A great read, I, but I but I've never seen it, it or was, read it. It was revolutionary cause when it was on PBS. Now here's kind of a fun period piece that I recommend. It's called The Harlots. It's called Harlots, and it's on Hulu. Uh, is that about naughty girls? Well, yeah, but it's not. That's not what it's all about. That's not what the you know the thing is. It's these two rival body houses in 1700s London. That's what I said. It's yeah. about naughty girls. I know, I but like, that I don't. I mean, that's not the premise of the show. That's like the sideline activity. That's the setting. <laughs> sideline activity. The whole thing is all about you know the um, the noblemen and the the politicians and the royalty that. And who's who's got who as a customer, and who's telling stories on who, and what secrets you can keep and can't keep, and it's again, it's intrigue and backstabbing, and you know, like which house is being protected by the the, the police and who isn't, and so Harlots is is a, a fun watch. What's that on again? It's on Hulu. It's on yeah, Hulu. Yeah. But it's a it's a British produced, you know, it's a British production. You can tell, you'll see these British players. These uh, British actors and actresses in all the BBC productions, you recognize their faces, and and uh, because it's like a stock company, they they do um, BBC productions all the time, play different roles, but and they're all good. So, getting back to Bridgerton, somebody's got to win something for the costuming in that oh, show. Yeah. My, yeah. how many? Though you know those those gowns that those. Those actresses were wearing, or the hair and makeup, and how many else. of them there were? Yeah, it seemed like every show they were, yeah. it wasn't looking like they wore anything twice. No, yeah. no, phenomenal production values. I, I that, that's one of the reasons I like those period pieces. Yeah. So, hey, Bon Vivants, you know when we like that too was launched, we knew very little about what was needed to promote the podcast online. That's right. So we turned to Greg Arnold at GAA Consulting. GAA Consulting was a lifesaver helping us get things started. Greg is a small business owner who loves helping small businesses grow. He takes the time to listen to your business goals. GAA Consulting will custom design your website 
and create a digital marketing strategy to help you reach those goals. Every project is tailor-made to meet your small business needs and preferences. And Greg can teach you to manage things yourself or... You can hand things over to him, and he'll lighten your workload. You know, if your business needs help building an online presence, visit GAAConsultingLLC.com. That's GAAConsultingLLC.com. Custom solutions for your small business needs. And thanks to Greg for sponsoring the podcast. So what else are you watching? Okay. <laughs> well, the one that I, w- that I sort of referenced was um, Take Me to the River. And it's so that, this is a documentary. This is a documentary. Okay. This is a whole genre that we love. This is something you and I absolutely. It it doesn't really matter who it's about. Uh, the old rock and rollers or bands or whoever it is, we love those music documentaries right. because there's always a story or ten. I always uh, learn so much about. When I do I watch too. Those I do too. I do too. And this one, um, you know, I I love the blues. I I love Memphis kind of history and this has all of that right. and it's um uh, al bell is in there uh who's one of the the guys that started stacks records and so they brought back a bunch of these old guys uh bobby bland uh was in this the guy from booker t and the mgs was in this but they brought back these these old blues men and they paired them up to do this album with these young kids I mean, we're talking high school-ish, uh, you know, yeah. early college. Yeah. And they what put a cool it, experience and, for those guys. Oh my God. Well, I said, when when they get on in years, 20, 30 years from now, and they look back and they've got all of a sudden, they're like, I can't believe I didn't really know who, who uh, Bobby Bland was. They're going to say, that was one of the coolest things. Yeah. I wish yeah. I wish I'd paid attention more when I was there. Right, but it's got they've got all these guys that that were part of uh, Stax Records that uh, came in and and worked with these students and it, and it was cool because it was kind of like a reunion. A lot of those those guys are I mean they're in their late seventies and eighties now that came right. in and and performed and and worked with and worked with the kids. I, I found it fascinating. I just loved it. I I'm sorry that the original Stax building is not there anymore, but they do now have a Stax museum right, down down, right, yeah. down in uh, Memphis, which I I've not been to. I would really really like to go and uh, see that sometime. Those music documentaries are so fun, and you know we talked. Uh, we've uh, Echoes in the Canyon was one that I watched recently. I love and, Echoes uh, in the Canyon. It's it's a mind blower because you've got you've got the mamas and the papas, you've got all these people that live in this one little area yeah. outside of Los Angeles and they would literally it's go a, to each other's houses and jam and you think it's the late 60s early 70s and the names that are thrown around uh, who, as who was there it's the the perfect storm of musical genius that actually changed music. Oh it did. It, it, it took it, it from did. the the folk into uh, folk rock, southern rock, rock yep. and roll. It was uh, a who's who of the California music scene in the late sixties. Couldn't 70s. you? When you watched that, you you had to think the same thing. You know, when these guys would get together and they just play. You know, yeah. and they have to. You, I, I know you had to have thought. Didn't somebody hit record 
on a cassette player and record some of those sessions, well, which I, would have been. No, but I think <laughs> the beauty of it was, though, Brad, that a lot of, but because of those sessions, so much great recorded music came out of oh, it. Oh, sure. Yeah. That was their workshop. You know, that was, they were workshopping it then. It sure been fun to hear them noodle, though. Well, I it? know. It would. It would. <laughs> of course, you'd have to, you'd have to uh, take the pauses in between noodling for, for them to take a hit off the bong. Well, there and, would have been, you know, there would have been breaks. Yes. Recreational yeah. breaks. It was, it was <laughs> probably, <laughs> it was rife with recreational activities. Yeah, with so. recreational activities. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good one. And, and another one is uh, one of my favorites. I will stop and watch this any time that i get a chance is called 20 feet from stardom and it's all about background sing backup singers mm-hmm. and how some of the best voices in the business are not the stars it's the background singers and for a time there was a certain uh, group of background singers that sang background on everything that was coming out so it was the same voices and they were contract players the best bands everybody wanted these these people to come in and sing behind them the one story that stands out is um, uh, the background singer on the Rolling Stones' "Give Me Shelter." Uh, you know, Did, is that the one where death, they had to go get death, her? Death, murder, and I, Mary. Her first name is Mary, and I'm sorry, I'm 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 blanking on her her last name, but yes, she was pregnant. The Stones are doing a, stash, a session in in Hollywood at a studio in Hollywood, and they're they're ready to lay down the background tracks, and they want they want her. She's pregnant and she comes in in a bathrobe and hair curlers <laughs> at like 2 a.m. and lays down this track you know death murder it's just a and so but it's, she says i'm doing this one time and she just slays it <laughs> and, and Mick jagger's like okay that's good go with that. <laughs> that's that was, a, it was great it's a, a great story but but 20 feet from stardom is a great rock uh documentary another series that I've been watching is called classic albums. Yes. And so they will take an album. The most recent one I watched was Steely Dan Asia. And it's the recording of the album and all the players they brought in. The cool thing they do is they sit at the sound. They board, sit at the board. Yeah. And they, and, and they, they play with all those slideies. They yeah. pull out different sounds and they'll go like, okay, now this is what we asked the bass player to do on this. And they'll, they'll pull everything out and they'll just, you'll just hear the bass line. And then they put everything in, and they said, now, if that wasn't there, and you're like, that would not sound the same if that wasn't there. It was really cool. It was neat because they, they, they threw in weird little things yeah. that you don't perceive maybe when you're listening to. But if it wasn't there, you would notice that it was gone. Well, and a lot of the albums that they did back then were – this is before digital recording. So they weren't able to create this stuff digitally. It was all analog. And I remember one of the albums, I can't remember which one it was, it's just like, hear that little uh, percussion part in the back? That's so-and-so out in the hallway with a drumstick and a metal trash can. <laughs> it's like, that was the sound that you were getting. But but they pull it out, and it's like, something's missing. Yeah. Something's not right. There's a hole yeah. in this song. Yeah. yeah. It, that, those are fascinating, classic albums. So, yeah, documentaries are great. The one on uh, the one on Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals I, is a good I, one. I, I loved and the Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew oh, was phenomenal. I mean, the Wrecking Crew, frankly, did uh, most of the Beach Boys. Uh, you know, when the Beach Boys were out traveling, the Wrecking Crew, the and Beach Boys, Wilson were the monkeys were actually writing the music. The monkeys, the Archies, yeah. all of those. That was a Wrecking. That was crew. all Wrecking Crew. Yeah, and they were the back. They were the studio band for so many bands that recorded. Yeah, a great group of musicians. Yeah, that was, so those uh, are great. 
I enjoy those. And I, I watched one about I watched one about Austin the other day about um, this little club that uh, now everything has sort of been built up around it. Right. But it's for live music. This this place is is still there. Um, well, was that where Austin City Limits was recorded? Because the, I know there's a yeah. recent documentary about yeah. Austin City Limits. The one on no, this is a separate one. This is different. The one on Austin City Limits is amazing, though. Yeah, it's good. it is really, really good because yeah. they've got some of the guys that started right. Austin City Limits, and that if you get a chance to listen to that one, that one's really, really and that fun was back too. before the Austin music scene got well commercialized. It's well, it's it's way commercialized, and this is just my opinion. But you know, we uh, we started going down there. When I had NFIB stuff and and Sixth Street was was awesome. It was I cool. mean, it was really great. Yeah. You could hear all kinds of live music down there. Right. I don't think so much anymore. Yeah. I, it, it was real disappointing the last I time. Think, I, was I think I think there's there. still talent down there, and there's still stuff to hear. But I think it's just gotten built up with so much commercialism, and it's not the cool vibe that it used to be. It's now a uh, it's like a, a destination. We for went to tourists. An, we went to Antones. Antones is still is still down there, and it's still one of the the coolest uh, places for for live music. Yeah, yeah. We got to see uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of his, his bass player. This guy was about six foot seven. He was huge and weighed about eighty pounds, and he played the bass, and it hung sort yeah. of down between his knees and his waist. Yeah. And he, he's like a scarecrow. I can't, I can't describe it. Yeah. But he would just—it's it, it, the the guitar was way down there, and man, he played that thing like yeah. But just his hands, you can. Just, it was just you can see uh, you can see him on videos on YouTube of Stevie Ray playing. Yeah, yeah. he is a long, tall, lanky guy. Yeah, yeah. But he, he can play the heck out of the bass. If once you see him, you you yeah. remember him because he's. Yeah. Pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty hard to miss, but he was very, very good. So, but before we get run out of time, I want to talk about a couple of things on that we've been watching. That I've been watching that are more like fantasy and uh, sci-fi type stuff. I know Stranger Things is a series that that has been very popular, and um, we've watched those kids grow up. Haven't we, we have, and, and literally, and we've got another season coming. I'm I'm pretty sure. But the cool thing about Stranger Things is. The girl that plays the character Eleven in mm-hmm. Stranger Things, I saw her in. Now it's again, it's a movie. It's not a series. I'm hoping there's going to be a sequel. It's called Enola Holmes. Enola Holmes. She, she yeah, she's phenomenal. She plays the. She's the sister. Sister. Yeah, the, the, a strange sister. They kind of like have. I don't. They they. It's they don't want anything something. to do with her. Well, they've or, either disowned her or whatever. But she's the sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes. when they're young. Yeah, when they're young. When they're younger. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but she has the same intellectual and deductive powers, and I'm hoping it's going to be Me a too. series. Me of too, because you and I have talked about Enola yeah. Holmes, and yeah. and the whole premise is fantastic. And I and I liked her. She's good. I liked her a lot. She's a very she, talented young actress. She is a good actress, and I think um, and it's good production. Again, great production values. Yeah, great story, great script. Yeah. Costume, well costuming, and everything was yeah. everything was really, it really moves, first good, rate. Good plot line; it really moves along. So I really like the Nola Holmes. That's really such good. right material when you're dealing with Sherlock Holmes, and you're dealing, with, especially if you can find really good mystery uh, whodunit kind of right. writers. You right. know, sort of the Agatha Christie kind of 
kind of writers because those are great characters to give great lines to yeah. and, and great stories to. Yeah. There's a couple of reality uh, things that I've been watching. Janet and I have gotten – I like to watch cooking shows, but I'm not a big baker, so I've never gotten into the baking – like especially the U.S. baking shows. But there's one called The Great British Bake Off. I like the older lady. Who is she? She's like I, the grand dam of well, the, all bakers of all time. Yeah, there, there's two different ones, but Pr- Prue is the more recent one, and she is a, she's a Michelin star winner. These are the ones that are in the tent, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. in a tent in the yeah. middle of a field somewhere. Yeah. So you have, yeah. Um, you and have, they do, and they've got so much time. It's yes. a competition, so you've got so much time to make whatever it is. Here's what I make. like about it: there are three challenges on every episode, so this right. thing moves. Unlike American baking shows, where there's all this wasted time on background and backstory and backbiting on the teams and sniping and these people are encouraging each other it's really refreshing to see the the competitors encouraging and helping each other if somebody gets in trouble they'll step in and help them out but it's really good and it moves there's three distinct challenges in each episode and they're interesting and amazing some of the stuff they do and so i really like the great british bake-off and then the um the other thing that I watch is a thing called Last Chance You. Now, I'm a football guy, mm-hmm. so Lance, Last Chance You is an ongoing series about players who may have been – they're football players, very talented, who may have been uh, recruited by Division One schools but for some reason or other didn't make it at their D1 school, and now it's their last chance t- to get a degree. They end up at these junior college programs. What's that on? That sounds that sounds good. That's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah, Last Chance You is on Netflix, and it's several seasons in. Okay, and they follow a team and these players for a, a full season. Very interesting, introspective look at junior college football. What these players are going through, what they're trying to do. It's sometimes a train wreck. You know, some of these kids are. You have to feel for them. They're coming from dire circumstances. They're trying to do the best they can, but they. They're their own worst enemies sometimes. Yeah. They just can't help themselves. And you've got these coaches and academic advisors that are trying to help them. And those are the sometimes sad, it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Those are the and, saddest and, stories, especially yeah. when they when they have so much talent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know, sometimes that's their worst their worst problem. They have been they've had so much talent their whole life. They've been coddled. Just kind of moved and along. When, and when the yep. and when the real challenge comes, they can't handle it. Yep. So but but there are some great stories that come out of it too. The kids that make it and stuff, it's really inspiring. So Last Chance You is a really good series that I like. All right. Yeah. I still watch my two I love my gold rush people on Friday night. Sorry, this is this no, is no, where no, I am no, now. Whatever. Yeah, I, I watch watch the watch the gold miners up in uh, up in Alaska and of course the greatest show on television is Oak Island, and they are going to find the Ark of the Covenant. Don't laugh at me. These pe- Let me tell you something there. They are going to find the big one one of these days, and I'm going to say, you know, I watched them from the very first series, and I knew that they were going to find the Ark of the Covenant or something really good. I think they're going to find multiple, the Ark of the Covenant. They'll probably find Elvis's skeleton and... You know, several treasures at the bottom of that. Sarcasm does not be the, the bottom, know. that bottomless pit of despair. Sarcasm uh. and long hair doesn't look good on you. <laughs> 
So, oh goodness. <laughs> okay, so that's another plug for the pot for the uh, the website. If you want to see uh, me with my long my COVID cut, my long hair, you have to um, look on the website. Janet will post pictures there. She might. It's the first time Brad has really come out and criticized me about it. Oh, so I'm a little bit hurt. <laughs> All right. So, so we've watched some good. Uh, one other, I got to get a couple of plugs in for some comedies. One is called Atypical. I call it a comedy, but it's very poignant too. About a, a teenage uh, kid with, uh, he's got autism, but he's high functioning and he's trying to mainstream in school and stuff. And it's a great story of this kid and how he observes life and the family around him and stuff like that. So atypical, I highly recommend. A great cast, a great ensemble cast. Uh, so so that's good. And Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. Fun. Yeah. Uh, Jane Fonda, Lily, Tomps, uh, Lily Tomlin. Tomlin, and uh, a great supporting cast, too. Uh, Martin Sheen is in that one. So uh, Grace and Frankie are fun. So. All right. We're to that point in the program. Brad top, and Keys, three top, three top picks. picks. All right, and what are we choosing today, Brad? What's the category? We have uh, we are going back in the TV archives to our favorite comedies, but not just our favorite comedies. We are going to go back to favorite characters, specific okay. in what could be our favorite comedy, but which in a couple of cases is the case. But, but we're going some char- of those characters some of those, in a sitcom. Some right? of those notable characters that that are sort of iconic that they're never really going to die. Everybody's they're, they're going to be funny for forever. And yep. so those, those are the ones that uh, we kind of are going to talk a little bit about. All right. So um, this, this was not easy actually, because I, I think there have been some great iconic characters in sitcoms and actually I'm going to do my, you know, we cheat and we do some honorable mentions up front. So yeah. I'm going to do some honorable mentions first. Okay. And the first two don't actually come from sitcoms. They're more from the variety show uh, genre. Okay. But I think I don't think there will ever be anything like them again, and that is uh, Carol Burnett is Carol one Carol Burnett of them. show is one of the greatest shows ever on television. And I mean, I, it, it, it truly was. I yeah. mean, for writing and everything else, it was just, yeah, one yeah. of the best. And, and so not only the show, but Carol Burnett herself. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a, 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 a huge star and could do anything. And the other one is Red Skelton. And as you you think of a comedic, a comic, he was a vaudeville a vaudeville comic. Sure. Yeah. And his his little bits, you know, the uh, Gertrude and Heathcliff, the two seagulls, and the <laughs> and the uh, as being demonstrated by the studio the, audience and yes. Freddie Freddie the freeloader, yeah. you know, with the little stub cigar and uh, uh, the silent spot. Do you remember the silent spot? It was all mime and pantomime and stuff like I that. I do remember that now, and yeah. it was phenomenal. And so Red Skelton, I think, you know, um, just just a phenomenal talent. You know, I'm a Not, big TCM fan, and so every right, now and then you'll right. you'll see Red Skelton on. Uh, yeah. You know, he had a film career. He was a movie actor. Yeah, he was sure. a movie sure actor. He, he did a lot of films. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's it's fun seeing, and and he played. I don't think he played a serious role. No, no but he uh, but, he did play at a certain point. He played some male ingenue roles. They were comedic, right. like Van Johnson. Right, he right, was, right. They yeah. were. He was. He was very attractive. He was good looking. So he was like the he was like the the foil for the the romantic lead. But he was still an ingenue. Uh, so I'm going to give those two. And then the, the third honorable mention goes to the Clampets of Beverly Hills. Uh, again, I just don't think you can. Those characters are not if, – if you go back and watch that show, it is so cleverly written. Mm-hmm. And Irene Ryan and Buddy Ebsen and Max Bear, Donna Douglas, those four 
were just hilarious. And even the the, the supporting roles of Mr. Drysdale and Nancy Cl- uh, Nancy uh, how funny Hathaway, they were. Mrs. Hathaway, Mrs. Hathaway. That's right. So Miss Hathaway, a great show. Miss, yeah, Miss Hathaway. She wanted to be Mrs. Hathaway. Well, really, didn't, she didn't. wanted to be Mrs. Clampett as well. <laughs> no, she wanted to be Mrs. Bodine. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Bodine. She to be Mrs. Bodine. So those are my honorable. Books. But my first one goes. I'm going to do these uh, kind of backward chronologically. This is a fairly recent character, but I think it's an outstanding character, and that's Sheldon Cooper on Big Bang Theory. If you haven't watched Big Bang Theory, you're missing it. And you have to watch more than one season. You have to get into the you have to get into the, the character development and actually the characters they that they bring into the series in the form of the girlfriends who eventually become wives. It's one of the most well rounded, fully developed, full circle series I've ever watched. The, the series was actually written for Jimmy Galecki, who is the roommate of Sheldon. And Sheldon's character became so prominent that he sort of emerged as the, the lead character in the thing. But he just does a phenomenal job. And it's got an, off, it's got an offshoot now, young Sheldon. Yep. And so Sheldon Cooper is one of my favorite sitcom characters of all time. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I have a quote for you. All right. Because I got some quotes from some of mine. Okay. If anything happens to me, bury me in my blue chiffon. Anything? Anything? Well, it sounds like something from Designing Women, but uh, I'm not sure. Nope. The great Max Klinger from from MASH. All right. So – I thought, you know what? Um, yeah. As as and as great as that series was, I arguably maybe one of the best comedy series. I don't think there's any uh, argument ever, about that at all. Ever, uh, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, we've got we've got to have Max in there. You know, when That's I leave the army, I will do it the honorable way with a section eight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Little girls looking at his dress. <laughs> he looks back at her and says, "This is what happens when you don't eat your vegetables." <laughs> He was a classic character. Classic so, character. Yeah, I mean, and some of the, you know, just some of the the dialogue between he and he and Colonel Potter, the, they were great because Colonel Potter was his foil. He right. was the straight man, and and Klinger would go through all this litany of stuff, and you know, the, the Colonel would just look at him yeah. and be like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you talk about a character that was a bit part. Oh yeah, that was a fully, exactly. fully developed and fully actualized, be, became an integral part of the ensemble. Right, that's Klinger. Yeah, and he kind of moved up, you and, know. And, and Jamie Farr, kudos Jamie, to him. Jamie Farr was yeah was you know unfortunately for Jamie Farr the actor when you get you know you get one of those kind of parts, pretty hard to. To, 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 to do anything else, but yeah. he embraced it. You know, he was yeah. one of those guys that are like, oh, I'm never going to talk about MASH, you know, and they did reunions and stuff. But Jamie was, yeah. 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 It was, uh, and at some point, we're going to do our, our top three favorite uh, comedies of all well, time. Well, we'll probably do different and, variations on that because. And that could be uh, a whole show. Yeah. No but, kidding. Um, you know, MASH, I hold in. In incredibly high esteem. Well, and th- so a nice segue to my number two, and that is Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. Oh, okay. Well, and so we can- uh, uh, I'm a huge MASH fan also, but Hawkeye's character, and you know, the thing about you talk about well rounded characters, sure, certainly a comedic character from a sitcom, but Hawkeye was more than that. 
But some of the greatest lines and, and quotes, you know, <laughs> we brought you some shampoo because we couldn't find any real poo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It's like just so, so quick-witted and so clever. And, uh, yeah, I just love Hawkeye Pierce. And, and Alan Alda. Phenomenal, Truly a great actor. Phenomenal casting job amazing there. actor, yeah. Uh, someone who uh, embodied the role. And uh, you can't imagine anybody – I can't imagine anybody else in that role. And I liked uh, a lot of other things that Alan uh, I Alda agree. did. Uh, same yeah. time next year yes. is, as you know, one of my absolute favorites. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and, we, and we talked about it, I think, on one of our other podcasts. Uh, when he played George Plimpton, yes, yes, he was <laughs> in the, the paper, paper lion. In the paper that's right. That's lion. exactly right. You know, five foot yeah. ten, weighed eighty pounds, and he's trying to play football for the yeah. Lions. Yeah. You know, it was a great, yeah. great show. Yeah. So Hawkeye's my favorite. When granted, he had some great foils working opposite of him. It uh, was a right it was a fantastic yeah. ensemble. No doubt, uh, every every character was good. Even when they had transitions, yes. you know, from. From yeah. people, people changed. They certainly they, transitioned. They from, still stayed. Yes, they still stayed good because the writing stayed good. Exactly, the writing stayed good. Yeah. All yes. right, you ready for quote number two? Let's okay. see what All you right. do Let's here. Let's see if I can forget this one. Lena Horn, your face looks like the Matterhorn. Oh, that's Red Fox. <laughs> it's got to be Red Fox. <laughs> Sanford, Sanford and Son. Yeah. Yep. So I got Fred, Fred, Fred Sanford. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that was a uh, you know that was really an Earth moving sort of a show you didn't certainly have, was didn't have black folks on no. on on major television networks and red had an, an incredible career before that as a stand-up as you one know, of the one of the al- albums his com his comedy album albums sales sold. oh yeah were unbelievable and um i've got i've got friends who tell me about their parents who uh black parents who used to have parties Back in the late '60s, and they would they would have a party and listen. All they would do is listen to Red Fox. Listen albums. to Red Fox albums. Yeah, yeah, that was the party, and just fall out laughing, you know, because he, he was, was major and, in Las and, Vegas. And no holds barred as far um, as oh, he, content. He, or, he was yeah, blue as it gets. He was, yeah, he was <laughs> rude and crude and socially unacceptable, and uh, but great, a great comedian. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And this is a nice segue to my next one because they were counterparts at about the same time oh. in the same genre. This might be my honorable mention. And that is Archie Bunker. Oh, that it's Archie. Carol O'Connor oh, is Archie yeah. Bunker. So yeah. you had as as un as ugly and as unacceptable and as bigoted and as racist and as sexist and as misogynistic as Archie Bunker was, he was holding a mirror up to society. Mm-hmm. And he made us look at ourselves, but he made us laugh at ourselves at the same time. Yep. So a phenomenal sitcom character, in my opinion, that actually I believe through the writing, through the production, had an instrumental part in changing the direction society was taking. But some great quotes. I mean, like dingbat and oh, you know, stifle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember all those those quotes and stuff. But I I just think and Carol O'Connor, a great a, another a great dramatic actor yeah who took this role on and and just embraced it well since we're going there my honorable mention actually was george jefferson okay so <laughs> yeah, no. so we're talking that but we're talking the same this, uh, in the same, that same just of that era. S- same era yes. yeah i mean george jefferson was just, oh my god he was he was so he walked like a penguin first of all yeah <laughs> i mean the way he the, the way he walked but you know 
there was an opportunity for a successful black businessman. Right. You know, when they when they do the song, we're moving on up. Well, yeah. And and a lot of it had to do with that. And right. at, at a time when you didn't that wasn't cool, really. And there, and there certainly was no representation of that on television. And yeah. and the and the and the biggest the biggest thing was that he had friends that had a black and a white. They were black and white. The uh, biracial, the biracial couple. Married yeah. couple. That, yeah. that that didn't happen. But you know, the other thing that made it real, Brad, was that he had flaws too. Oh, sure. He was yeah. a flawed character, just like Archie was a flawed character. But he had certain characteristics that he was loyal to his family. He was, you know, he had these endearing characters. At the core, they were good. Exactly. Yeah, they and, loved you know, their families. As, and, as, yeah. as flawed as they were. And as imperfect as they were, they had these internal characteristics that made them loving and adorable and funny and heartwarming. So, you know. I'm sorry. I'm still reading my, my, my Fred Sanford quotes here. Okay. You're dumb, son. You're just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming, Elizabeth. I'm coming, Elizabeth. I'm coming, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. I'm coming to see you. Esther, when I see you, makes me wish birth control was retroactive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, yeah those are uh, hilarious all right who's your last one so my last one and you'll get this what's shaking norm all four cheeks and a couple of chins <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is the great norm peterson yeah from uh from cheers, cheers. Yeah. yeah yeah what's you up to norm well my ideal weight if i were 11 feet tall <laughs> <laughs> what's going on, Mr. Peterson? More important, what's going in, Mr. Peterson? Yeah. 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 That's like, well, the Cliff Clavin character was almost as... Cliff was, yeah. Cliff was, Cliff was amazing, yeah, too. That's a little known fact that... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, I mean... So the, I, had, I had one of the great experiences of my entire life when we went on the cruise, New England. We yeah. went to Boston. We went to Cheers. Yeah. I don't care if people think yeah. it's some touristy thing. Well, it is. Well, screw you. Okay. I don't care. Nothing wrong But with I that. went. And so the place was full. Sure. I mean, and so somebody got up at the end of the bar, and I went and I sat in that seat, and I looked down, and I almost cried. Right there on a brass, little brass plate yeah there it said norm peterson's oh. spot nice. <laughs> cheers and i went ah, brother come here come on so i got i've got lots of pictures with uh, me and norm spot yeah yeah well so. you know there's a chain of restaurants and airports that's cheers and there is a a likeness of norms at, at the corner seat. Well, you know, there, there are a lot of others out there that I could have chosen. That's uh, it, it was hard to come up with, uh, with those, but it wasn't hard to come up with those. It was hard to stop at those. That's the thing over the years. And I know we're missing some great ones. Si the whole Seinfeld cast oh, came well, to mind. Yeah. Some great characters in that one, but uh, this has been fun. What do you have normie? Well, I'm a gambling. I'm in a gambling mood, Sammy, whatever comes out of the tap. Looks like beer, Norm. Call me Mr. Lucky. <laughs> How's life treating you? Like a baby treats a diaper. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
That was fun looking. That was fun. Those are, that was a good. That was a good three top picks category. Those that was a good. That yeah. was that was that good. Was. We come up with them sometimes. Every Keith. once in a while, you know, we we hit on one. Blind hog finds an acorn once in a while, right? That's right. So that's right. All right. Well, good. Good wine today. Good wine. Good. Today. I loved. I always good company. Loved. Thank you, studio audience. Yes, thank you, studio yeah. audience. Yeah. I always love talking television and what we're watching, so that's fun. And, yep. uh, Until next time, we want to thank our thank some folks. We want to thank uh, thank Matt again, of course, Barvino, right, our wine sponsor, Dave Baker for really one of the great intro songs of all time, our theme song. It is, and we appreciate your listenership. Remember to do. like, share, please review, like rate. us and share us. We're growing, people. We yeah, really, we are. really are, and it's because it's because you guys have uh, listened and embraced our. Our foolishness. Our craziness. <laughs> That's right. Be, yep. be fun, and we will see you next time. Till next time. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of bon vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good friends, and three top picks because we We like like that that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.